Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Direct Design Podcast. Today I want to jump into some tips for writing modular CSS, so let's get right into it. No matter how much you love CSS, no one enjoys writing or maintaining style sheets that are 2,000 plus lines of awesomeness. The smart way to approach your CSS is from a modular standpoint. Properly organizing your CSS, breaking it into smaller chunks, and naming classes in a generic way are a few places to start. Let's review some of my top tips for writing modular CSS. First of all, use the SMACS framework. There's a few systems out there for organizing your CSS, but I've, the best one I found is SMACS, which you can find at um, smacss.com. It's short for Scalable and Modular Architecture for CSS. The great thing about this system is that it's easy to learn. You can pick it up in a few hours and start yourself down the path of modular CSS. Basically, you need to divide your style sheet into five sections. The base, the layout, module, states, and theme. So the base is all your native HTML selectors, element selectors, descendant child selectors, pseudo classes, and whatnot. For example, your body tag, your form tag, your link tag, um, anything like that. The next section, the layout, is style specific to the layout of your website or template. So these would all be different classes that you create, but they're reusable parts of the layout. So your header, your navigation, maybe um, a basic box that gets used a lot. The next section is uh, the modules. So this is likely the biggest section of your style sheet, and there are usable classes or components. So a good example here would be the components from a CSS framework like Bootstrap. So anything from buttons to notification bars to tables and all, all, lots of different um, components that are going to be reused multiple times throughout um, your your app or product or whatever it is you're building, those should all fall under the modules section. And these are things that are not page level um, items like a header and a navigation. Those are reusable, but those are on the page level. These are um, the things that would be used within the body of a page that uh, you might not see on every page, I guess is a better way of saying it. Uh, the next section is state. So here you add any state change CSS, like things for alerts or form validation styles, all of that type of thing would fall under the states category. And this is generally a smaller section. Uh, the final section is, um, this is an optional section, but if you have any theme-specific CSS that doesn't fit into any of the above sections, it should go here. Um, sometimes I might find that I have you know, a few different color things that really don't fit elsewhere, and I will just throw them into the theme section at the bottom. Um, another thing that you can do to make uh, CSS more modular is by using variables. So if you're going to be coding modular CSS, it's critical that you become comfortable with a CSS preprocessor. There are a couple other to choose from. Um, less is one I've used a lot in the past, but uh, SAS seems to be the most popular nowadays. So in your variable file, you should create a collection of global properties that are used throughout your CSS. To really keep it modular, it's a good idea to only include global properties in this file, like colors, backgrounds, text, links, margin, and padding, to name a few. For my boilerplate file, I will have a color palette and I'll name things very generically, like I'll have black, white, then I might break my scales of gray into numbers, so the lightest being, say, 10, the darkest being 90. Um, and then I would also, if I'm using like accent colors, I might have a blue primary and a blue secondary if uh, blue is the accent color that I'm using. Um, and then I might go and assign those colors to some common backgrounds. Like I might have a background color section. So my primary background is always the white 
uh, variable, where my secondary background color is always the light gray variable. Uh, same goes for text colors. So uh, my primary text variable color would be potentially the dark gray, and my light text uh, variable would then be equal to the light gray. Uh, link colors, border colors, uh, it's good to have typography set out as a variable, so you would have a body copy variable, and it would could be set to um, a string of fonts like Helvetica New, comma Helvetica, Arial, Verdana, uh, Sans Serif, and then you could have a heading copy variable that perhaps is different from body, and um, yeah, you can kind of set that up to all the different ways that you might want to have your text done. I also think it's a good idea to um, set a base element for your margin and padding. So uh, you could have margin set to you know a single M or maybe 10 pixels, something that's easily divisible. So when you start to get into actually writing your modules and your components, instead of using pixel values for padding and whatnot, you want to use the variable. And you could do something like if, if the base margin is, say, 10 pixels, but you want... 20 uh, pixels in this case or double then you could do a formula like margin times two that way that later on down the road if you decide that your base margin or padding size is too small say it's 10 and it should have been 20 and you want to relatively update that and push it through to every component in your um, system if you do it this way all you have to do is change that base value in your variable st uh, style sheet so if you bump up that margin value or padding value by double, so you go from say 10 to 20 pixels, now all of your other components that are using that variable will now double. And then you don't have to go and change anything. You don't have to go and rework and find all the places where, oh, whoops, it's still 10 there. If you do this from the day one, like it's gonna make your life much more easy. It's gonna make your CSS much more scalable and modular. So let's talk a little bit more about components here. So regardless if you're working with a CS framework or not, it's a good idea to break components into their own um, SAS files or less files, depending on which one you're using. Some examples would include things like tables, forms, and buttons. Within those files, you should create component-specific variables that use values set in your global less file. So that's kind of what I was just talking about. Uh, so if you have padding is you know 10 pixels, then perhaps within your table style sheet, you might want to have that set. Just like your table padding might be uh, padding times two to give it like 20 px say of uh, of space. If you don't want it, if you wanted to have more, but this is where you should be setting it though is on this component level. But using the global variable as the base, which you're doing an operation against. Um, some people prefer to have all their variables in one file. Uh, my preference is to include the component-specific ones with the component code. That way, all the variables and regular CSS are together and the module is more complete. You should create a single theme to act as your master theme. So within it, import all of your component files I mentioned in the previous section. The master theme should also be organized using um, SMACs. This keeps the main themes shorter and more manageable. So the first thing you want to import at the top is going to be your variables because that will be basically setting everything else after that. Then within that, you're going to want to import all of the different individual component files for, um, for their CSS as well. And then that would be the theme file that you would then you know, link actually into uh, the head of your, your HTML document. This way... You know, you know, you kind of separate everything. It's a little more manageable. Everything is very modular. 
and you don't have to go into one big style sheet to figure it all out. You just go to go into the parts that you want to work on. And then once you compile it all, um, it'll make it one big style sheet. But when you're actually working on it, it's broken into little pieces that are easier to manage. Next thing, keep your class names generic. You want to try and keep your class names as generic as possible so that they can be reused for multiple components. Uh, create a box class. Don't create a red box. Um, layering on generic classes is a better way to go in comparison to more specific class naming. This allows you to reuse more of your coding, keep it dry, as in don't repeat yourself. If you call something red box, then what if you need a blue box? So now you're creating a second blue box class that you then have to create separate CSS for. What would be better is just create a box class and keep it very minimal, and then you could have a secondary red class to adjust the color of that, or a blue class. So that's the way how you want to layer classes on instead of just having a specific class every time you need it. When you do specific like that, your CSS will not scale over time. It's going to end up being 5,000 lines, and any other uh, developer who comes and looks at this thing is not going to know how it works, and it's just going to be a nightmare. So. I know something to, look, to keep in mind when you're doing this is to avoid super long selector strings. And, uh, you want to avoid this. One reason is that it makes the card, the, sorry, the code harder to read and troubleshoot for other developers. This is also a really non-modular way to do something. Like I explained above, you want to layer on classes, not create long specific strings of selectors. So, if you have, uh, you know, in your CSS file, you have you know four or five um, layered lines of selector strings like that's just going to be too hard to read you want to have you know just one or two levels and then uh, it makes things much easier to read uh, one last tip or i guess there's two tips here but one more tip to do is to avoid using ids for styling the main reason here is they mess with the specificity and just add confusion when you're troubleshooting a problem in web app development ids should be reserved sorry for hooking in functionality from javascript it creates a nice separation between the view and the function of the app. It also helps to keep your CSS clean by not mixing classes with IDs. You know, the truth is, is that if you have an ID and a class of the same name, the ID is actually going to be higher in the cascade, and you don't always want that, right? So don't confuse yourself by mixing these together. Just always use classes and reserve IDs for um, hooking in functionality. The last rule for uh, modular work is do not use the CSS important rule. I know that that is basically the fail safe when you can't figure anything else out, you just throw the important rule behind it. But really that makes your CSS super unmanageable to anyone that did not actually initially use that rule. So come on, this shouldn't even be, need to be mentioned, but I will anyhow. Don't use it, it's just lazy developing. Hopefully this has given you some of the basics to start writing modular CSS. There's definitely more that can be discussed on the subject, so feel, feel free to leave a comment or hit me up on Twitter. Um, my handle again is at cardio, C-A-R-D-E-O. You can also head up the uh, direct design Twitter directly if you like, and it is direct design IO, all one word. So yeah, anyhow, that brings this episode to an end. I hope you've enjoyed it. And if you'd like to learn more about this, hit me up. See you later.